Hey y'all, welcome back to part three here on a Saturday, July 2nd, 2022 edition here on the Chase Most Podcast presented by the Blue Wire Pod Network. Uh, Atlanta Sports guys, as we wrap up here today with Garrett Chapman and Max Markovich to talk all things Atlanta Hawks today. There's just a bunch of Hawks stuff. So no Falcons or Braves, but just a bunch of Hawks stuff uh, today with the DeJounte Murray trade this week. Uh, Kevin Hart, Kevin Herter getting moved to Sacramento. John Collins still be on the roster as of this recording. So we had a lot to parse through. DeAndre Hunter's impending extension. Nate McMillan's future coaching the team. A lot to talk about uh, here on a Saturday, July 2nd, 2022 edition here on the Chase Most Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Thank you again uh, for making the Chase Most Podcast part of your daily listen wherever and however that may be on your preferred podcast player. Check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase podcast like and subscribe all that good stuff all right part three as we wrap up here on a saturday uncle darren let's go chase thomas pod the chase thomas podcast um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate all it. right we're back land of sports guys back here on a friday afternoon max markovich garrett chapman both back in the building very very excited to have both Atlanta sports guys join me on this Friday edition where whatever we talk about will not matter in an hour because the NBA has decided that uh, content never sleeps and that uh, things have to get done and deals have to be made. I, I thought about doing a whole bit uh, based on the Brian Windhorst appearance on first take this morning and just seeing if I could start the podcast in a similar way. But I was like, I don't, I don't have the energy. I'm not, I, I can't do it. Like that was art. That was cinema. People forget that was absolute cinema from uh, ESPN's Brian Windhorst today. But he was also right uh, because the Jazz cha- traded everything for uh, Rudy Gobert, essentially out outside of Anthony Edwards and Carl um, Anthony Towns. But Max, you wanted this to be the first question in 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 terms of uh, Rudy Gobert and De- Dejounte Murray, which feels like forever ago that the Hawks just traded for Dejounte Murray. But did Schlink do the right thing? Pick the right deal? by picking DeJounte Murray now that we know what the cost would have been to trade for Rudy Gobert? Yeah, I don't think, I think when we saw the compensation, it's not much of a question, right? <laughs> like if we were giving up four unprotected picks and a swap and a couple of good young players for Rudy Gobert, I think we'd have the pitchforks out right now. Um, but I, I think I meant it more in the like, you know, the Hawks had one opportunity to really cash in their assets for a star or someone close to a star or a second guy for Trey. And the question was always, um, you know, I think I think we've been batting this question around for a while now. Of is it a secondary creator um, or is it a big guy? And I, I think that was kind of the question. I, I would be stunned if the Hawks hadn't had at least some sort of conversations about Gobert at some point and had to come to this discussion of is it Gobert or is it Aiton or is it a guy like Murray? And I, you know... <laughs> I think they made the right choice with Murray. Um, I'm, I'm really, really excited about Murray, and, and I'm sure we'll get into this a ton, but like, it, it is not without risk, right? Like, This is a risky move, but I think all three of us would agree that it was time for Schlenk and Co. To, to take that risk, to take the plunge on the right guy. Um, and so I'm really excited about DeJounte Murray. I don't, if you compare the two packages, like I think, I think the national media was going in a little bit on the Hawks giving up a couple unprotected picks. And an unprotected swap, but <laughs> if you compare the two packages, would you rather pay four unprotected picks in the swap to pay Rudy Gobert forty million, or would you rather do two unprotected picks, one heavily protected pick, and one swap for a twenty-five-year-old all-star guard? 
on a $16 million deal. Like, I don't think it's even close. So and three I'm really in control. Two years, right? I think it's two years. And then is it whatever, regardless, I'm really, really pumped about the trade DeJounte backcourt. I'm a little less pumped about the herder trade, but we'll get there. And I, you know, it's funny. Cause like the trade happened, it's the biggest trade the Hawks have made in, Biggest move the Hawks have made, and I don't even know how long. And you know how twelve hours later, it's KD. It's all KD. KD everywhere. You, no one even talks about Desante anymore. What do you think, Garrett? I mean, the media moves fast, right? <laughs> I mean, we're already not even talking about this, and we're going back to almost exactly what we're we're used to with the Atlanta Hawks. Um, and yeah, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure if it's. I thought it was three years. It could be two years. Um, but the point is, I mean, look, the Hawks needed another guy who can handle the basketball at a high level. And DeJounte Murray is that guy. I mean, this is a guy who is one of the best pick and roll point guards or guards uh, in the NBA. Um, but my biggest question is, can these guys play off of the basketball effectively? Um, if they can, this is a slam dunk. This turns into what potentially like Chris Paul and James Harden, like what those guys were. Um, like, or any, well, Chris Paul with anybody like Devin Booker is another one of those guys. I mean, if but they can both play off of the ball, you can see some serious, um, success. However, th- what we've seen from these two guys throughout the course of their career is that they want to have the basketball in their hands. So uh, that's the big question mark for me. Like if, if, if they can play off of the basketball, we've seen what Trey Young has done in a small sample size. I mean, he shot like something like 45% from three or something crazy. Um, so if he can do that and, and we get Trey Young some catch and shoot shoot opportunities, the sky is quite literally the limit. Um, but the next but the next question as far as roster development goes is what we're gonna do with the front court. I mean, is Clint Capella gonna be here? Is John Collins? Does John Collins want to be here? Chris Kirshner had a report that said basically that John Collins was sick and tired of, of dealing with all this stuff and he was out. Um, he's never said anything himself, as far as I know. Um, and I think he would be a a, a, a solid person with a guy like DeJounte Murray added to this rotation. But, I mean, if he wants out, he wants out. I just don't know how they're going to backfill the position uh, for John Collins. I don't know who else out there anymore. But- well, John Collins, it's like <laughs> he he has every right to be pissed because he's been yeah. involved in trade rumors and his name's been out there forever. So it's like it, it, at some point just trade me. Like I, it's not good for my mental health. It's not good for like me trying to buy in on this team and this culture and everything when I'm not involved in it and everything. Like in every future conversation, it's not John Collins building with this group. It's just Trey, 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 uh, and it's Capella, it's Anyeka, it's DeAndre Hunter. Um, and that's something we'll get into in a second as well, because that's now very much uh, on the forefront for Schlink and what he decides to do there. But I think your point is well taken in terms of John and like, and I think we were texting about this, where no matter what they do for John outside of like a Harrison Barnes type thing, they're getting less back like you're getting picks back that you gave up in the DeJounte pick in the DeJounte trade so if you move John Collins the roster gets worse in the short term because most trades for John Collins it's teams that are contenders or their guys like if you trade John Collins to a good basketball team who wants to win now they're not giving up equal value for John Collins they're trying to beef things up and trying to leverage you to give them John Collins and they're like hey we'll do the maybe one unprotected or something but like you're not getting real players that can help you and fill that four spot on your roster. So like as awesome as Harrison Barnes would be in Atlanta, I think Schlink knows this too. And why threading the needle on a John Collins trade is so complicated is that 
you're going to lose it in the short term. I don't think there's a way around it, losing it in the short term. And it, it's basically doing John a solid wherever you move him, but just making sure that you get some stuff back. But there's also the possibility that there's addition by subtraction where it gives them an opportunity to play more guys at the four. Maybe start a neck at the four and see what he does there. Um, you slide in Jalen Johnson into this rotation finally because I had some folks reach out to me about like the herder trade. And it's like, well, somebody has to start getting moved. If you're going to take all these wings and you're going to draft every Duke wing from the last three years, then somebody has to move. Part of the value in Kevin Herter was the he was making nothing and being not a lottery guy and good value for a while. Now it needs to be AJ Griffin or it needs to be Jalen Johnson. It needs to be one of those guys they need to play. And I I don't know. I think John Collins is one where Schlink does not want to make a bad deal. And I think that's very clear in how careful he's been and how uh, just kind of how he's viewed the market and how he's treated his guys and how he really hasn't made a move to this point. Um, DeJounte is a safer deal than Gobert. Like that's a lot of unprotected first. That's a lot of stuff out the door. But I also think like when I feel like when five years from now, we're going to look around the league and everybody's got somebody else's picks like that just seems like where we're going to is like they're moving picks and they're moving. It's like if we need to get more picks, we'll trade our current guys and we'll get unprotected back. So it's just no one's going to have their own picks, kind of like what Atlanta's had, because there's just so much player movement and people just keep throwing around each other's picks like the pick that we went to uh, San Antonio. The first one is the Charlotte pick. That's the 2023 Charlotte pick. So I I don't know. I think. Two things can be true. The DeJounte is a better bet than Gobert. I also just think they're going to lose to John Constrate. And I think that's just kind of what happens when you wait this long. And his just kind of where the Hawks are at with him, where they everyone around the league knows John Collins does not want to be there. And he thinks that he's played his last game in Atlanta. You're not getting good at you. Like you're not getting win now guys for him back. Like it's just not happening. But but here's what I'll say about Collins and Herder, and I'm I'm a little bit skeptical about the Herder deal. But here's what we can say um, that I think is a little bit comp- complimentary to the Hawks in that Schlenk clearly believes in not relinquishing assets for nothing. Mm. So you know I think it's quite clear that he didn't see John Collins as part of the long term picture in Atlanta, but he wasn't going to lose John Collins last offseason for nothing. He was going to pay. He was going to wait out that contract. He was going to sign it. And figure it out later. And that's what he's doing. And the same can be said for Herter, right? Herter is not John Collins caliber player. He's a useful role player. He's, he's a valuable NBA player. They signed him to a relatively team friendly deal. I think they kept the asset and now they get a couple expiring wings and a first rounder for it. And so I, I don't think Schlenk has let perfect be the enemy of good here. Um, but I also think you can, who are the four guys right now on the Hawks roster that are locked in as the core? It's Trey, it's DeJounte, it appears to be DeAndre Hunter, and it's Nyeka Kongwu. Mm-hmm. And what can we say about that four? It's Trey, and then we've said all along, you need to build a team around Trey that is long, versatile, and can guard. Everyone else needs to be able to be versatile in, in guarding. The, those the other three guys, DeJounte, DeAndre Hunter, and Nyeka Kongwu are that. Like they are, they epitomize that. And so I think you can sort of see the spine of what long-term Travis Schlenk wants to build here. We can talk about DeAndre Hunter being part of that equation. And I'm skeptical about picking DeAndre Hunter and his knees um, as part of that core and extending him, which it appears they're going to do. That's a separate conversation. But if you're building a team around Trey, you want another guard who is, he might be one of one of the two to three best perimeter guard defenders in the NBA, DeJounte Murray. 
You want a wing defender uh, who can guard bigger wings, DeAndre Hunter, and you want a versatile big who can switch and guard uh, in the pick and roll. That's Nyeka Kongwu. And so I think I, I think that's why I'm most optimistic, is those guys are all young, they're all 25 and under, I think, and they all should be here for the long haul. And another thing I'll say about DeAndre Hunter specifically is I'm very comfortable with him being a part of that core as long as he's that third or fourth guy. Um, it's the, 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 the pressure that I think that we specifically put on him and a lot of Hawks fans in general is to be the second best player on the Atlanta Hawks. And I think what we saw is that he's just not that guy. Um, but I think this addition with DeJounte Murray specifically is going to help him astronomically where he can actually be more of a three and D specific player. Uh, rather than being like the primary defender on somebody and then have to, uh, we're, then we're going to lean on him to do some sort of development and do the catch and shoot, but he also needs to put the ball on the floor. And he's just not that guy. Like, And, and in this, in the basis of this offense that we're going to be having with Bogey Bidonovich coming off the bench, he's not going to have to dribble the basketball, which I think is fantastic. I think that works well for him. At, at no point is he ever going to be the second option. Um, and it, it, the more that he is in the catch and shoot, on offense, I think the better the Atlanta Hawks are going to be on offense. And then the more energy he's going to have on defense to, to guard some of the better defender, or the better offensive players and bigger players. Um, and, and Yeka Kongwe, I mean, we've talked about the length of him. I mean, you mentioned it just now. We've, we've just sort of salivated over the fact that he is just a, a stud in, in, the, in, the, in the post. And he can also, he's agile and athletic enough to go out to the perimeter on, on more agile an athletic offensive threats like a Giannis or a Joel Embiid. And he, he has shown that he's capable of doing it. And he did that as a rookie. So look, I, I'm really excited with what this team can be, but they're, they are gambling right now. This is a pretty big gamble. Um, the big thing is, like you said, Chase, like John Collins, I don't see how they win a trade right now. Um, I don't see how they were going to go send somebody to go get Rudy Gobert or something or DeAndre Ayton maybe. Um, I don't see how that works. I don't see how that fits into what the team is doing right now. Unless you're sending, you're also moving Clint Capella for a pick. Like you could send Clint Capella and then maybe a bogey or um, I don't know how it works. I really don't know how you send Jalen Johnson maybe to, to Phoenix. I, I don't know what you do, but based off of the current roster construction, I'm comfortable with the team. If John Collins wants to play here in Atlanta, I'm comfortable with that. I, I think he's going to continue to develop that shot too. So, um, I just don't know where he's going to get the looks. Well, Gent's gone, so that's out. Uh, he he went over to he's in L.A. right? Like Gent's per well, he was uh, Collins' personal shooting coach, right? He's basically been responsible for Collins becoming a three point shooter. Have they replaced that spot? Is it just going to be Van Exel? Is he moving up to assistant coach? Is that what's happening there? Do we know? I don't know. It's a pretty limited spot. Like it's just Nate, Nate's son, and then Joe Prenti. I think is all that uh, I think is locked in there. Um. I don't do know. Guys, I th- yeah. Do you guys think the choice was keeping Herder or Bogey? And if it was, which one would you have, would you have picked? Oh, hold on. I think Max. they made the right hold decision. Hold on, Max. They Who? made the right decision here. Yeah, Max. Max. Bogey McDonovich is. is... Yeah. I I completely disagree. Wait, I think they. Should, Every I think five man lineup with Bogey, and when you watch Bogey, the answer is he's healthy. Assuming yes. he's healthy. Well, why are you assuming answer. he's healthy? But you can't That's stay healthy. That's the big assumption. That this is, is my, well, this is my problem. This is my problem with Hunter too. Like they yeah. they have prioritized yeah. extending Hunter, and I completely agree with everything you said, Garrett. Like he is. This is the perfect role for DeAndre Hunter. Instead of trying to make him into like Jalen Brown or Paul George or something, like this is what DeAndre Hunter is supposed to be. But why, what makes us think? And Chase has been all over this since his you know second year in the league, <laughs> first year in the league. What makes us? What is the evidence that he can be healthy? And that's my problem is like he is 
he's simult- he's he's probably our third or fourth most important player coming into the season. But in some ways, he's the most important player because mm-hmm. we don't. There's no like for like replacement on the roster for DeAndre Hunter at all. Um, and what, I think that's why you this- draft AJ Griffin and uh, Jalen Johnson it is- in consecutive Griffin, years. It- AJ Griffin didn't guard anyone in college. Yeah. Like this but is I, my, I think that was AJ like, Griffin also has knee problems, by the way. Right. Yeah. This is my problem with the <laughs> AJ Griffin pick, too, is like you need to stack the roster with wings who can guard and over like who can guard guards and who can guard bigs. Like Maurice AJ Harkless. Griffin. Right. Like I, I don't is mind starting at the four, by the way. Let me go ahead and lock that I in. Opening I don't night, mind. He's starting at the four. I don't mind the flyers on Justin Holiday and Mo Hartless. Mm-hmm. Like those are good bodies to have. Like you need more of them. But if DeAndre Hunter goes down and you're starting Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless at the three and the four, like I'm I'm not excited about that. And the shooting is a real, real, real problem. Well, Especially if DeJounte Murray because, doesn't take a leap there. Well, I think that's another part of it is what that he uh I'm not sure off the top of my head, but um DeJounte, he's like thirty four percent. Well, I'm 30, more concerned about 32. his off the I'm, what is his catch and shoot three point percentage though? Like something it's, it's, that's no, his catch and shoot might have been thirty four. There okay. was something where I was like, his form because his form looks pretty good, mm. and I'm like, you know, maybe he's going to get more open looks. Maybe that'll maybe he's a good catch and shoot guy, but it was forced to take off the dribble with the Spurs. It really wasn't a lot of that. Um, so we'll see. Well, I think you're right about DeAndre. Is that um, the hell stuff like it's the like Garrett you're right with the him being in a better role now at third fourth guy but like it's just you're gambling a lot but we also I'm not penciling in DeAndre yet he hasn't gotten the extension yet he could still be moving somewhere else he could be a part of a John Collins package like I don't know like nothing would surprise me based on what's happening so far this summer where if they keep the only guy I would say like from the starters from last year who I think is just they're not they're not going anywhere as Capella. Like, I think it's clear Clinton Trey are very close and that they Trey does not want Capella to go anywhere. So I think that's locked in. Um, but I, the bogey stuff, I understand like the nervousness. I am just, if he is with DeJounte and Trey playing as much minutes as they can together at the one, two, that takes a lot of my concerns away from Bogey's knee, where it, Bogey had to do more. Bogey had a usage rate that was like 88% last year or 80%. So it was in the 80s. And he was the Trey has never played with above 80% uh, usage guy to this point in his career. And Bogey's it. So, like, that is the most high usage guy Trey's played with. DeAndre Hunter's never been that. Bogey at least will create his own shot. Bogey at least when he's healthy, we've seen him swing series. We've seen him really, really change a, a, any a playoff game. Like Bogey, I just you need some veterans in the room who I know what I'm getting, and I know I'm getting a guy who believes in his shot and believes when he's healthy, he is someone who can take pressure off Trey. Like if Trey doesn't have it one night, Bogey is not scared to take over. But between yeah, those we'll three, have, yeah. And he'll have less, he'll have less um, stress on him, like less stress on him. If Murray and Trey are gobbling up so many minutes at the one, two, anyway, I'm more concerned if Nate's going to stagger Murray, Trey, something tells me that that's going to drive us nuts all next year is that he's not going to do that. Um, and that's going to be a problem. But I, uh, I don't know. I think, I think it's, I'm not as worried about Bogey's health as I am DeAndre because DeAndre is a cornerstone piece. Bogey is still someone you can move. And if he's not healthy, you can figure out a bench spot and move on from Bogey. If you give Hunter that extension and you give Hunter 
the keys to the castle at the wing spot and we're like, we need you to be our Andrew Wiggins over the next couple of years. That's a lot of responsibility still to uh, to Hunter that I just, he has the talent. He could be that guy, but at almost 25, theoretical DeAndre Hunter just kind of has to go out the window. Like it's just too we much can't, money. We can't call him a cornerstone at this point. Well, I mean, we if have you one that cornerstone and his name is Trey Young. Now DeJounte well, Murray. Outside, I, I think, think Yaka like, deserves to be in that DeAndre Hunter is not a cornerstone. DeAndre Hunter is a strong role player. And I think in the, in the current stack, the, the current stack of the lineup, the, the rotation right now, mm. he is a strong role player. And I think that's perfect. But I think they've tried to make a, him other things, right? They've if tried. If they sign him to a contract that is equivalent of a cornerstone, like if mm. you get him to $20 million a year, three years, let's say that that's yeah. what it is. I'm out. That's too much. I don't know about that. I like honestly, like <clears throat> we should kind of readjust our priors on like contract numbers and what they look like and who's oh, getting them. Like, Sandy, like yeah, like you know, Jalen Brunson getting twenty five million or whatever isn't what it used to be. Like that makes mm-hmm. him like the fifteenth highest paid point guard in the NBA or something. It's not like I, I, I don't, I don't want us to be like stunned by the the sticker price on a DeAndre Hunter extension. I think it's more like. Who are who are they showing is a priority for the future and who is not? Mm. And I think I I think you might be right, Chase, with Capella, where like if they were just looking to shed salary with Herder, I would have preferred it come from Capella. But I think it's clear that A, Herder probably had a little more value, and mm. B, there is a reason Capella is sticking around and it might be Trey. Um, because I think all of us would lo- I would love if they went into next season with Anyeka signed a legit backup at center and just rolled with that. Like I, I fully trust uh, Onyeka to take that leap. Um, but it doesn't appear they're ready to do that. And, yeah. you know, they, they are probably, they, they were looking to shed salary with Herter and they got below the tax. And I think that's notable. Um, but like they're prioritizing four players right now and everyone mm-hmm. else can be had for the right price. And there's some variants of like, selling to like willing to listen on everyone except it seems like those four how much of this do you think is actually trey young building the roster honest question it's because he he had been pushing for Dejounte murray mm. he'd been recruiting Dejounte murray for the last three weeks i and... don't think i don't think it's that i really don't i think okay. i think i think it's very clear well, I, I think i think two things are clear i think uh the front office has been shopping around stars for probably the better part of two years now. And I think when they part of evaluating whether they wanted to like take this leap and make this investment, because you get one shot at it is probably asking Trey, Hey, what do you think about this? And I do, I I think that matters, but I don't think it was Trey being like, go get DeJounte Murray. in this situation. No, no. No, But But I mean, I'm sure it matters if he's like, I really like playing with Clint and I want him to stick around. And like that, that, factors in yeah but i don't he's not at the point of like yeah go sign you know go get justin holiday for me you know like that you're getting some tweet emojis if you trade capella in atlanta from trey i'm just gonna go ahead and guess that will get some uh emoji tweets and stuff like that yeah i don't i think that would be it's kind of understood where it's like they don't even have to ask it's like they know that like tread lightly on the capella trey relationship front um that's I don't know. I, I think it's it would be silly to assume that they're not engaged with Trey on what they're doing. I think especially when you're at the Supermax and his involvement and 
how critical he is to where this team's going. I would assume it's not he's, like he's okaying what's being done, but they're texting about like, I'm sure there's a, conversations. It, it's also important. Like, like part of making this trade and the bet on this trade is that Trey and DeJounte can play together and both of them have to adjust their games to thrive together. Right. So if, if Trey's not bought in on that and is like, this guy's going to cut into my usage or whatever. And like, I don't, you know, I'm better than him, whatever. Then the then the fit's not going to work because part of this is getting a secondary creator and working with Trey, and that's going to be an adjustment period. If Trey's bought into that, it's a lot more believable that it'll work. If he's not bought into that, it doesn't seem very believable that it will. So I I do think that's important. Um, but I would I, I would like to go back to Dejounte because I think we get caught up a lot in like value and how many first round picks is too many and what whatever. Of all the names we've floated over the last year or so on this podcast like i think Dejounte is besides like jalen brown who's obviously unattainable right now maybe my favorite fit like better than beal better than ben simmons better than you know wiggins and pool whatever like better than all eight better than Aiden, better than gobert like this is the outcome that i think makes me most excited and so i think that's important because you know we've we talked about like no trade is ever going to be perfect. It's not going to be the perfect star at the perfect time for the perfect price. But I think this is like a 90th percentile outcome uh, in terms of, of making a trade. And it's also still not the consolidation trade that is still to be made. Like there's still too many guys on this roster. And so I think that that's important to say DeJounte is a 25-year-old all-star guard who on paper complements Trey really well and covers up a lot of the weaknesses that this team had last year. And so I think that that's sort of like the core of why I'm still excited, even if it was like maybe a slight overpay. And if I wish they had like top five protections on those picks and stuff. I, uh, I don't know. I think the DeJounte thing, uh, uh, Charks and I were texting about this at the ringer, uh, after it happened and he was focusing on the, the tray fit of like, how is this going to work? And this is something that I think Hawks fans is excited like <laughs> I wrote about this a little bit this week too. It's just that like, generally speaking, the history of two all-star guards pairing up in their prime, pretty good results in the NBA. And that usually they figure it out. Usually they figure out how to coexist. And you could have been worried that Devin, I think the closest comp these days is like Devin Booker and Chris Paul, where you bring in Chris Paul, who is a, just a, <laughs> a guy who's a leader who's going to have a certain expectation and has grew up in a different kind of system and that kind of thing and then like Devin you have to adapt like this is now we're we're co-pilots here like this is not your entire show anymore but it'll win a lot of games and we could win an NBA championship playing this way I also think the thing to watch with Trey and I think he obviously saw the Miami series humble him in a, in a lot of ways. Like that was, that was rough. And I'm sure he looked around the league and was like, Hey, and looked around this roster too. And was like, I, I need help. I cannot, I can't do this. I've reached the point where I cannot do that kind of run that I did in 2021 year over year, just with me leading the charge and having that kind of uh, offensive usage. He's never played with a usage rate over 30% like this as a lead ball handler. That's never happened. So I don't see Murray just being like, yeah, I'll just, uh, I won't bring the ball up much. I won't do this. I won't. That's why I think stagnating these dudes is so critical um, for next year. But I still have my doubts that that's how that will go. Um, I just, it's one thing to want that guy. And I think Trey respects 
DeJounte and understands the fit and understands the defense first mindset. Like there's a reason that it's DeJounte, Mo Harkless and uh, Justin Holiday to this point. Like there is an understanding that we have to be better defensively, even if that means sacrificing the offensive fit, because I think what will trouble Atlanta fans early on next year is the offense is going to dip. Like the offense is going to be pretty ugly early on. I think, I don't think this is a smooth transition going from what this team was rolling out last year to DeJounte, Justin Holiday, maybe Mo Harkless and Capel at the five. Like the shooting will not be there early on. And that's like when you trade Kevin Herter and when you didn't really develop a shooter potentially in Jalen Johnson and you don't really have like if Bogey's not healthy, suddenly it gets pretty sparse on on the shooting front. Um, And that's just more more on Trey's plate. But it's one thing to respect another superstars game. It's another thing entirely to play with him 82 games and to learn and to be an off ball guy because we've never seen Trey do this. So Trey can like think this is good for me and love it. And then in practicality in game seven, he's like, I don't like being off ball. I don't like cutting. I don't want to, it, it sounded great, but now they're asking me to do this and I don't like it. Like that is absolutely a possibility that he might not enjoy this. And it was one of those things where he respected DeJounte. It should make sense, but Trey could not like it. That is absolutely in play where Trey does not like being off ball and does not like being a secondary creator and, playing second fiddle some nice to DeJounte, like that is absolutely a possibility. We just don't know. It leads me to believe that based off of like what you were talking about, like with the amount of bodies that we have currently, mm. the ro- the way the rotation is going to work out, then the lack of shooting, it really leads me to believe that the Hawks aren't, aren't even close to being done. I, I just mm. have a feeling that another move is coming. We don't know what it is. I, I have no earthly idea. We, I don't think we have the assets to go after a Kevin Durant. I just don't. I think that's just. I don't that, want that's Kevin Durant. Like I, I'm not I saying that right. I want him. Like, I don't want to deal with this would, anymore. You like, add who, Kevin Durant to this, this roster. You add Kevin Durant to this roster, and it's immediately competing for championships. But at the same time, and for what it's going to cost, I just don't think that we have the assets to even give it the time of day. So I'm not even going to consider that. Um, I mean, look at what Rudy Gobert just pulled in. Like the price for KD just so went Rudy up. Gobert, Rudy Gobert's price price point is just absolutely absurd. Uh, Murray the Suns are expensive. right. Like Devin Booker is the starting point. You want? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're that's not, it. Yeah, De- DeAndre Eaton on an expiring contract that's is not, not enough. Be enough. It's not going to be enough. And so the Suns are in a difficult position. I think they're in a very difficult position. I don't think he goes to Phoenix. I, I really don't know who's going to make this deal. Uh, I mean, Toronto might do. I something still am betting on New Miami Orleans. Heat. I think New Orleans by super maxing Zion and they want the eyeballs like Brandon Ingram is the kind of guy you can trade Kevin Durant yeah, for like that contract like that. and you bring him in. I think, and then it's kind of like a, an FU to KD on the way out of just like, we're not sending you to where you want to go. No trade. He doesn't have a no trade clause, right? Yeah. Like it's so yeah. Screw him. I mean, look, I mean, if you're going to screw us over, we're going to go get the best possible deal that we can. Right. Send him to OKC. Like Kyrie, you're going to Sacramento. We'll see you next. Like, <laughs> like I don't know why. I I just the bevy I don't know, of man. picks. Of why would they do it? Why half? would they throw Kevin or Kyrie a solid? Like right. I I don't know they them personally, but as they won players, two playoff series, right? Like I don't. Poor Ben Simmons. He's just sitting there. Like what? What does my roster even look like uh, next year? But, no, but but ultimately, yeah. I don't think the Atlanta Hawks are done making moves. There's something mm. else that's going to come. John Collins. I mean, he's still in the roster as of now. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do necessarily, but they need to add shooters. They need to add more wings. Then we should mention like Gallo's gone wings. too, right? Like Gallo's, Gallo's another shooter who's gone. Yeah. Yeah. The Actually, speaking of, speaking of Boston, my, my, uh, they have Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari. Oh, that's a fun team. That's going to be a very good team next year. Um, they're, they're probably, 
they're probably the best team in the Eastern Conference now. And yeah, they, I know they just came out. They're fresh off of the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, but they've been or the NBA Finals, I should say. But they have been the best team in the NBA or the Eastern Conference of the NBA for I think at least since February, right? They're number one in deficiency, defensive and offensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. And if they weren't number one, then they were top three. Um, since February. I still don't think they beat the Bucks if Middleton doesn't miss that series. I think the Bucks win that series. Yeah, I'll but take I, Milwaukee still. Yeah, but. I, I agree with you. Also, Danilo does not move. I mean, we watched him try to play defense. Like, I don't think he plays in a playoff series next year, to be honest. But well, it's not that, but it's more fun. shooting. They, they won't like, ask Herder, him to do that. Gallo, that. like, that's more shooting. Him. Herder. Yeah, Herder's gone. Like, if that's Ger- Herder. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, you're talking about the Hawks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think Garrett's right. Like, this is not the team that's going to be rolling out the ball uh, in the opener. And I think it's important to, like, I have no idea who's going to start at the four. Assuming John Collins is gone, like, let's see what happens there. I don't know who's going to trade for John Collins right now. Like mm. we're talking about Washington and I assume that would be Kuzma in a pick. Uh, I think Kuzma would get some, some uh, eye rolls in Atlanta just by, because of his name and because what people know about him with the Lakers and stuff. I think Kuzma would be a solid addition to be honest, but mm-hmm. I, you know, he's, he's long. Uh, he can shoot a little bit. Uh, he rebounds. Um, but like, I don't know what, what return for John Collins is going to like engender like a, Oh, like that's exciting. You know, it's going to be some combination of a player who's worse than John Collins and probably a pick to recoup some of that DeJounte uh, deal. And like that, I would have been probably happier about that if it weren't for the herder deal, Mm. you know, where it's like, Oh, we already kind of, you're really hurt by. I that. just think it makes them much worse. Like I think I think Kevin Herter was really un, is a really underrated NBA player because he does so many things. And I think Bogey, you're right. Bogey is better at like we you know Trey doesn't have it tonight and we just need a guy to step in and, and mm-hmm. get it. But Bogey's not as reliable. He's not as healthy, and he's he's a much older. Um, and B, he doesn't guard like Herter could step in and guard you know a longer wing in a pinch. You know, like Bogey doesn't do that. And like, but they haven't drafted bogey replacements. They've drafted herder replacements. The point of herder is, I would, like, I would say AJ Griffin is like fills more of the bogey role than the herder role. Like size wise, he's more like herder, but like he, he doesn't what have is that. AJ, he doesn't next have that year. AJ, AJ Griffin's not stepping in next year and like, well, no, it should be Jalen. Like it should be Jalen, but no, it needs to be played all that. It's not Jalen. <laughs> if it's not Jalen, then this is I, I don't know. If he's not in the rotation, it's a wasted pick, right? I would like, agree. With I'm that. sorry. Like he's not playing in the G League. But would year. it be that? Would it be that big of a like surprise if the 20 whatever overall pick was a wasted pick? Like that happens all the time. Well, all well the not time. AJ, but what was Jalen? No, no, that's what I'm Jaylen saying. Jalen was Jalen was 20. 20. People, was he people really? acted. People acted like he was the eighth overall pick because he like, fell because yeah. because of the talent. I mean, he was right. like, he was a he was a highly recruited guy to Duke and like you know he disappointed Duke. Like it, it wouldn't be surprising to me at all if Jalen Johnson wasn't an NBA player and and the same for you know. I'd be a little disappointed. I mean, that's where you Griffin. drafted Herder and Collins, though. Like that, you hit on those two. Right, outside right. The but you guys. hit on Herder. But, but you also you, look at the team that they were drafted to, and and it's a completely. Different if you're hitting, game. yeah. If you're hitting on fifty percent at that range, like you're mm, doing well. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. And so uh, that's why I'm like, if if this team's really trying, that's why I'm a little bit like, the Desante trade wasn't really to like compete immediately, in my view. Like I, I think hmm. it's more like here are these two all-star guards. They're both awesome. They're both 25 and under. Uh, we have a big guy we really like to build around, and we have a wing that we're, that we're excited as sort of part of that core. And then we'll build a roster out from there. 
And that's where I think it's a little bit misguided to say like, oh, push the chips in, they're all in. Like it is the push the chips in move, but it's not like a we're trying to win the title next year move. So what's the move to win the title? Like, isn't that the question? I, I think I mean, it's I think, a million dollar question. It's it's a million. It's a question that, that Travis Schlenk is going to be asked, if especially if this fails. Well, they've already made fails. it because like you're not going to get another all star in here. Like the, the move is like these that Dejounte and Trey are both top ten players and are borderline for for yeah. Small it's NBA it's, guys. That's it's banking on it's banking on both of them improve. It's more of the like Tatum and Brown model than yes. anything else, right? It's like here are these yeah. two young studs. They're going to continue to improve together. Mm-hmm. Um, they complement each other pretty well, and like. The rest of it we will figure out, but the rest of it is easier yes. than, than getting those two guys. And so, you know, Boston, like, it was not immediate with Boston and Tatum and Brown. Like, Tatum and Brown were awesome, and everyone was like, should they break them up? They're not winning. Like, yeah. And I think that it's going to be a similar thing of, like, I'm very confident Trey and DeJounte will play well together. Um, but I think the rest... Not I mean, I think the first, like, 10, 20 games could be a little weird. Um mm-hmm. It'll be and I think it'll, yeah, it'll take some feeling out. But I think, I think the lesson is that like figuring out the rest of it is going to be a little bit of a moving target. And mm. I think we should not like if the Hawks are a five six seed next year, we shouldn't like freak out and be like that trade was a failure. As long as I, we're like a five six seed next year, that's already an improvement from what they were. This I don't year. even care about the seeding. I just want to see like if Dejounte and Trey are good together, and the numbers bear that out, and they're both all star players. I don't really care about everything else, right? Because exactly. that's really all that matters. And you can figure it out the rest of the roster around them the next couple of years. Like you said, it's kind of like Maury had this model where it's like I don't really give a shit about everything else until we have the two stars because nothing else matters. It's already hard enough to draft and develop one superstar. The Hawks did that. Then they got number two another all-star and now you can just figure everything else out and of course capella is involved in both of these scenarios but i do think it's going to look the the hawks are kind of you mentioned they're on the celtics model i think it's going to be the houston model with uh what they did with westbrook and harden and before that was cp and harden and just a bunch of shooting defenders and then a rim running five because i don't think that's why i never believed in the eight and fit and why i just i think trey wants a rim running five i think they want to have a rim running five who does not want a lot of offensive responsibility that's why john collins is still so frustrated i don't think they want their bigs to want to be superstars or want to have a huge um variety of options on offense and run the offense through them i think they want to run this thing through two guards who carry a heavy usage and everybody else can space the floor and shoot like it's It's no coincidence huh it's golden state Golden State still had. I mean, Draymond was still initiating a lot of the offense. Draymond and Steph Draymond, was all. Yeah, I guess they didn't. It's have hard a, to I mean, compare anything to Golden State. Yeah, true. I guess they are kind of unicorns. Yeah, because Steph's not a a true point guard. Right. He really isn't. He's a shooting guard who kind of takes the ball up. And he was and always he, okay playing off ball. Like he was. Well, he was always, shooting guard yeah. Davidson. Mm. Like that's what he was. The, I mean, like that's his. That's in his DNA. Yeah. And that's why he runs off ball. Clay's Clay's off ball. Guy. Trey's not that personality. Like, no. So not. actually, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. So it's more Houston. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. The difference with the difference with Houston is um, there are two things that are different with Houston and and this I think is one is that I think Trey and Dejounte are a lot more complementary than Harden and Westbrook were, or Harden and CP. I even. say more Paul like, and CP and Chris Paul and and uh, and James Harden. I don't want to say Westbrook. Yeah. Get, okay. Get Westbrook out of here. No, I'm saying I'm saying James Harden maybe. and Chris Paul. More maybe. So. I, I really like, you know, first of all, I think Trey is still an underrated star in the NBA. Um but, but, defender. But, <laughs> no, no, no. He's certainly not that. But the, like the the everything Trey doesn't do well, DeJounte does. 
Mm. And so I don't think that was the case with Harden and CP. I think it was more like they're both of those guys are so, and I think this is a similarity. Both of those guys are so smart at basketball that they were able to make it work. I don't think the fit itself was very good. And I think the fit here could be really good. And I think both of these guys could be really smart. And the other difference is that both of these guys in theory are still before their prime. And I think when you get both of them cost controlled pre prime, you're you, you can reasonably budget in growth from both of them. And I think that that is sort of what's most exciting. When you put Harden and CP together, you knew what Harden and CP were. You knew exactly what they were. I think you can project out growth and also like build in this potential of like both of them continuing to grow from where they are. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's where the Tatum and Brown comp, I think, comes in. But it's obviously more valuable when Tatum and Brown are wings rather than guards. It's just kind of how it works. Well, that's almost impossible drafting two all-star wings like that who can like, yeah. bring the ball up and do everything they want to do. But I also... My big concern, too, is that, like, I don't think Nate's the guy to make this offense. That was my first thought, too. Yeah, like, Nate's out. Like, this is it. So, for Hawks fans, like, they, this is not going to work. Because this is going to require some offensive um, ingenuity that and creativity that I don't think when you watch the Nate offense, it's creative. I would not uh, describe the Hawks half-court offense as creative. Um, I think he's a great defense first coach. And I think the defense got better with him. And, like, that was something. But... It's just getting Trey DeJounte in this group to work and to be a top 10 offense and to really make all the pieces work. I don't think he's that guy. I just don't. I don't think Nate is long for this roster anymore. So what that mean? who that means is coming in the door for him. I don't know. But the next coach will be an offensive minded person. I'm going to get go ahead and guess, because if you're starting a lineup with DeJounte and potentially Mo Harkless and Clint Capella like three non-shooters potentially and if Inyeka is not a shooter next year and he's still not like he wants to be a 38 percent uh corner three point shooter or whatever it is like that's great but if he's not and bogey's hurt and we're doing a bunch of non-shooters on the floor with trey at all times it's just it's not gonna work i i don't i, I think this is it like when i saw the dejounte trade my first thought was like okay nate's gone like this is this is just not gonna work you're only so, yeah. mo harkless is gonna start on, okay. By the way, I, I just I would be really really it's surprised. Him or I guarantee, like I book no, it's not. Is no, it's July not. Whoever they get, first? whoever they're getting back someone for, for they're getting back someone for Collins who a is going to be a starter and b can shoot. I disagree. I would I would be stunned. We need a bet stunned. on that. It's gonna be it's gonna be a Harrison Barnes Kyle Kuzma type. I mean, Kyle Kuzma, if it's Kuzma, I think you win that one. I think he'll start at the four. If it's Kuzma... You don't, you don't or, think Harrison Barnes will start over... No, I don't think that's happening. I think they're keeping I don't think Barnes. Harrison Barnes is, I don't think Harrison Barnes is coming here, though. Yeah. yeah, I think they're... Like, if you're trading for Herter and you're signing Monk, like, I think they're acquiring a bunch of rotation that's, guys. And I don't think they're... Fine, fine. Yeah. But if you if if you trade John Collins and you don't get a player back who can start... like I think that's happening. Problem. Then Jalen Johnson could be your guy. I mean, like, no, I think, no, 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 well, no, 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 yeah. no, in time, in time. Yeah. I, I think that the hope is that you start Mo Harkless and then you hope that Jay, then you're basically banking that Jalen Johnson's going to grow into that guy. We're like, giving Max nightmares for tonight. I will say I, I mean, that this is the reality of the situation. Like, what you're on the same page, Garrett. Hawks. Yeah. The Hawks are better by trading John Collins. Yeah. They're just not right now. They're not. The DeJounte bogey second unit lineups are going to kill some teams. Mm. Those are oh, you're awesome. you're betting on Nate staggering Dejounte to the second unit. Yes, with, uh, dude, you have to be an I mean, you have you? to be an idiot not to do. Like everyone knows to do that. 
I don't think it's going to happen. I think Dude, realistically, I, you should have one of those guys on the floor at all times. I don't. I I agree with you. I 100. percent I'm taking you, notes. You I cannot wait. In such a way that they don't have to be on the floor together. I think, I think NBA coaching like, has progressed past the point of like coaches, like like Scott. What, what was it? Scott Brooks with OKC, like refusing yes. to stagger Russ and and yes. KD. I think we have evolved past that thinking of like not understanding to stagger your two stars. Like I, I, I just no don't do that. I would be. It would be like every question anyone ever asks in a press conference would be like, "Why are you not staggering them?" Until he mm. finally does it. I just think it's going to happen. It's I mean, but July Nate, 1st. Nate is also notoriously stubborn. I mean, yes. that man. That's, that's a fireball offense. We, we asked. <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah, I mean, our twenty seventh offensive rating through three months is going to be a fireball offense. Well, I, wait, hold on. I want to touch on that for a quick second because mm. you're really concerned about the offense, and I am not. I'm not. Um, they were the second best offense in the, in basketball like, last year. Trey Young. I, I understand. Like they traded Herder and lost Gallo and whatever. Like all these parts, you know. Trey Young himself is a walking top eight offense in the NBA. Like Ooh. it's not, it's, it's, I, I would be, I don't, I don't really know like where the concern comes from besides mm-hmm. like, as long as Trey Young is on this team and healthy, this is going to be a top offense. Trey Young is one of the like five best offensive players in the NBA. I, I actually don't think that's, I, I don't think that's up for debate. I mean, because and based so, off of what he can do with the, with the ball in his hands and passing and catching and shoot, I, I just everything he does. Yeah. Max hundred percent. Yeah. So I just think like, that's not my concern. And I do think like there are it's a it's different to say like they're gonna be a bad offense and like they're gonna have some struggles in crunch time. Like I would have that that second discussion. But I don't think there's a universe in which they're not like a top ten offense next year. I just don't think I don't think it's hmm. really possible. We'll Hawks see. Bookmark defense. that July first that the Hawks are not outside the top ten in offensive rating because this will be one I'm gonna just do a open clip of both of these. Do this it. Is, yeah. Well, I, we're also stick the caveat. Stick the mm-hmm. caveat in it. I'm I'm comfortable. This is gonna be a top ten de- offense. I, I'm I'm comfortable okay. saying that. I also think that there's another move coming. I'll say it again. If you're gonna clip it, yeah, I'm gonna clip this right here. They're they're making another move. I'm I'm pretty confident that they're, they're gonna do something like that. So, but. Even still, it's going to be. They are. Cool. They are. I'm, I don't even need that caveat though. If Trey Young is healthy, the Hawks are a top ten offense in the NBA, and I don't. I I don't need any other qualifier. I'll sign. I'll Clip sign the dotted line. I'll sign on the dotted line. Mm. I wish Gary Payton uh, was an option. He he didn't. He sign with Portland. Didn't that have it? Big money. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. got a big old fat. Contract. Goes back home to Oregon. Oregon State. Like he was a Beaver, if I seem to recall correctly. Whatever that means anymore. Because Michigan, you got you got Michigan, Future UCLA. Team, right? Yeah. You got uh, Michigan USC noted uh, a, Big Ten. What a joke! It's a that whole thing's a joke. Um, we'll end on this, <laughs> Garrett. Uh, give us mm. how you think the rest of this summer is going to go. Like, how? What's the, the yeah? What do you think the Collins trade looks like? And what do you think? What do you think is left on the plate? Do you think it's Hunter extension happens? Do you think a Collins trade happens? And then do you think? Um, the Hawks get one more big name piece in this rotation. I think if they're going to make a move, they're going to make a move for with John Collins. That's going to, he's going to be a part of this deal. I think the assets that they picked, they still have one more pick, I think, right? They have their 2023 pick and then the mm-hmm. 2029 pick, I guess. They also have 20, 20, 2024, but they can't trade it, right? Yeah, it's a swap, but that's a swap. So I think they have to hold on to that. Uh, or no, 2025. It's 2025, but they can't trade it, I think, because it's that's the swap. So they have no, 20, they trade 2023. And Jamie, well, just, can you look up the Hawks? Jamie, can you? Can... 
It's whatever pick. So they have the Kevin Herter mm-hmm. pick, and then they have uh, one other pick that just came in. That and John Collins could potentially be dealt for something. And then after that, that's when DeAndre Hunter gets the extension. And then they use that to go up into the luxury tax. But I can see them making one big, one one more big move, and then signing DeAndre Hunter to a three-year extension. I think that's realistically what's going to happen. I don't mm-hmm. know who that's going to be yet. I need to go scour the. Uh, I think the Hunter team. extension happens for sure. I think Collins has absolutely played his last game. He would not show up, I think, and take fines at this point. It might go a Ben Simmons type thing. He's he's too much of a team player. He's not going to do that. I don't know. He's not going to do that. I'm. That doesn't seem like his nature. That just just doesn't seem like something John Collins. If I was John Collins, I wouldn't blame him for. I I wouldn't blame him again. I wouldn't blame him if he did it. I just don't think it's in his nature to do that. So, I'm not going to. If if Travis Travis Link and the Atlanta Hawks ask him to play, he'll play. I don't know that I would love to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. Hey, we didn't find anything again. Uh, you're back. You're in the starting lineup, John. So uh, you're here for at least another couple <laughs> until weeks. the trade deadline. And then, yeah. and then just get used to, to, to we're going to keep talking about you. We but. love you though. Uh, we're happy you're here. We're, we're really thrilled that uh, you're here. I just, John Collins is a great player and all the lineups like him and him and uh, Trey play. Well, it's just the dumbest thing. And he's like a huge home run. If you look around the draft from his draft in 2017, Every player around him is on a different team or out of the NBA. Leaf, Ferguson, everybody. And he's a home run development guy for the Hawks. And they're just great player. They have to move him. And just, it's stupid. Max, I'll ask you the same question John Collins, DeAndre Hunter extension. And if there is one more big mover, it's mostly done. And they just nibble around the edges to fill out the rest of the rotation. I don't really see the other big move if they're not willing to move Capella. Um, yeah. I think it's. God, if they, I, I guess it's not impossible they would trade Bogey, but I, I think at this point that they, mm. that's kind of off the table. Um, I think I think the Hunter extension happens. I'll be curious to see the number, and I'll be curious to see the years. Um, and I, I, I think the Collins trade, on some level, I get the Collins trade. Like I've, I think we've never really figured out the fit with Collins and Capella together. Um, and so on some level, like I don't think the Hawks are maximizing what Collins could be, but it really does feel like they're selling low for no reason on that deal. Um, I'm, I think it's going to happen. I think it's two kind of the cats out of the bag there. And I think it'll be every single move the Hawks make this offseason, I think you'll look back and say that was for defense. And I think that Collins' move will be for a, a wing who can shoot and play defense and another first-round pick. And... I would hope that's a first round pick that you can sell as like a real first round pick and not like crazy protected. Um, and then you can sort of look back on the off season and say they traded DeJounte, they traded uh, Gallows, whatever. And then, and one first for DeJounte or Collins and a first and Gallows, whatever for DeJounte. If you recoup two of those first round picks and Herder, I don't know a lot, a lot going on, but I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of confusion at the end of this Hawks off season of like, What's the plan here? Are they all in? Are they not all in? And I think it'll be helpful to look at it from more of a long-term perspective than a short-term perspective, like we talked about earlier. I think this is about building for the long haul around Trey and DeJounte. And I don't think this is about we have a two-year window to go win a title. And I think that that's like a super important way to look at it, and that's how I'm going to look at it. And I think that's why you trade Herder. That's why you trade Collins, because long-term, that's not how it's like. They're not part of the, the plan here. And so I, I think it's weird to ask for patience after you just traded two unprotected picks and an unprotected pick swap uh, for a star. But I think that is 
kind of the frame I'm, I'm going in with. I like that mindset, actually. The more the more I think about it, because it's like, yeah, because Murray's about to get paid, and hopefully the Hawks are, do, are the ones who are paying him, because if he walks in 2024, this is a cataclysmic failure. You're yeah. you're assuming yeah. you're assuming that he's going to be on this team 2024 and beyond. And I did I did look it up. Yeah, 16 mil this year and next year. And if it doesn't work next year with Nate, very good chance that he's gone. Um, and then you're I think you might try and renegotiate this summer, right? Like, why would you not try and see what you can do? There's something. There's there's a there's a I, I heard about this or read about this. There's uh-huh. a there's like a cap rule where when you sign on a rookie an extension on a rookie deal. You yeah. can only up that extension on the next extension 120% of that deal. So they okay. can't actually offer him a full max extension yet, like yeah, that he's going to get on the open market. Yeah. And the same is true for um, Jalen Brown, I saw. Like hmm. all those, like those guys are going to, because the cap's going up. And so the max is going up. So those guys are all going to wait it out to unrestricted free agency. I understand all the NBA. I know, I know. Stuff. I don't either, but it's I was the much. same way. I'm like, aren't they just going to extend, give him a max extension right now and end this? And I, unfortunately, I think we're going to have to go to unrestricted free agency, which is or restricted terrifying. free agency or unrestricted. We'll be able to, but we'll be He'll able be... to offer him the most money because I mean, I think they'll deal, have his bird rights. Yeah, but we'll like have bird rights. So we, he transfers his bird rights to the Atlanta Hawks. So we'll have the ability to offer him the most money. And Tony Wrestler's already said. Look, I'm not scared of going into the into the luxury tax. <laughs> and then he goes and trades Kevin Herter to avoid having to pay the luxury but like, tax. The, well, he had a caveat, of, didn't he? Like for a winner. So it's like one of those where a lot of those owners where it's like, when like, we have a winner, I, I'll do it. It's like no one's going to be the Lakeups. Yeah. Part of being the winner yeah, is going into the luxury tax. But first. the more I'm listening yeah. to this and like seeing like what Max is coming from with it, the more I see that this is, I don't want to call it a transition year because I think the Hawks can win a lot of games this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're they're not going to be. I don't think they're necessarily going to be, unless, barring some insane come together, come to Jesus moment where they just sort of blow up and all come together and it just works perfectly and win a championship. I don't see that happening. Um, I see this as more of a move. The way the way you said it, I like I like the way you said it. Where it's like this is more a move for the next five years as much as it is for the move for the next two. And Hawks fans don't fret about like when they saw i saw a lot of people were really nervous about the unprotected picks and that kind of thing and uh what that looks like in 2027 okay here's the thing if trey wasn't happy and you did nothing it's all over for a long time anyway you have to understand that this is it anyway like picks or not you're going into some bleak bleak waters if Trey's not happy and he wants out in 2023 2024 like it's it's over for a while like you're going to be in a really bleak empty highlight factory for several years picks or not you can get a couple of those picks back but like ultimately if this flames out and like the last thing you'll be worried about is oh where'd our picks go no you can get those picks back and you can figure stuff out but like you're not taking a chance like if this does not go well with DeJounte and Trey like it was going to be bleak either way and if it didn't go with Trey it was going to be really, really rough for the foreseeable future. I just, I don't think that's how you can go go about it. I think you have to look at it as like you you dive into the deep end, you see what happens, and then every fan I think should be like, hey, they at least tried. They took a swing to make Trey happy. They took a swing to make this offense and defense work more effectively. They took a big swing, and that's more than what the Hawks have done our entire lifetimes. They've never taken a swing like this. And we've been asking them. I mean, you get a generation, generational four Hawks fan, superstar, mm-hmm. and Trey Young, and we have been asking them to take this swing for mm-hmm. two years now, right? Like, 
you can't then nitpick like, oh, you know, we. The, I agree. I think this is the right swing at the right mm-hmm. time, and it, it's absolutely not without risk. Like there is tons of risk. If Dejounte Murray leaves in free agency, if Trey gets hurt, whatever. Like those picks, that could be a nightmare, right? Mm-hmm. But like that is not. I think every fan should be excited that they took that swing, and so I think that's, you know, we can't like be like, oh, you know, throw it all in for a superstar, and then it's like, oh well, you know, twenty twenty seven is unprotected. It's like. Yeah, at some point every, you just got to go for it with Trey. Every team that wins a championship wins it uh, to some level of of high risk. It's high yeah. risk, high reward. That's the only way that you win in the NBA. Look at the Cavs. Look at the Heat. Look at the look at what the the Raptors did when they went and got Kawhi. Look at the only one that who didn't win that way probably the San Antonio Spurs. That's it. Mm. Like because most of these guys they win they win a championship and then they suck when mm. they lose those core guys because they disappear. They go off and they go go to the next team. And you have only so many bites at the apple. So you want to set yourself up as best as possible. And I think this is, uh, Max, I agree. Like, I think this is the right swing at the right time. Because these are two guys at similar points in their career with similar trajectories. With Trey as the leader, clear leader, and DeJounte as a clear number two. And I think that there's, there is an understanding that that's how this, is, this dynamic is going to take place. And that's something I'm comfortable building around. I hope they're best friends. I don't know what their personalities are like. That's what I want. They've been recruiting, the he's been recruiting him for three weeks. So that makes yeah. me, and they've, and they've played together in the past on these teams and they played on the team USA, the, um, uh, those teams that they're, I guess, I don't know what, even know what to call them, the, the, the camp teams or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when they played in the FIBA championship series and then they, they, they were on the all-star teams together and then they, they seemed comfortable enough to push and play. And, and now he's here and look, I'm, I'm in. I want it to be the Joe Milton Hendon Hooker uh, dynamic. We want that level of closeness uh, that Tennessee has in the quarterback room. You want them to have. I was wondering how Joe Milton could get. I wondered how Tennessee was. Yeah. Do you see he's thirteenth in the early Heisman rankings? Joe Milton. Joe Milton. (laughs) No, the uh, Hendon uh, Hendon Hooker. Yeah, I mean, if he's yeah, like that doesn't surprise me. Hendon, they'll throw the ball about a hundred times a game, so might as well. Well, hold on. Okay, I'm not taking any uh, Tennessee slander as we wrap up here <laughs> hey, on a Saturday or they Friday. They play defense. They'll play, play the whole whole game from behind, so it's fine. That's not how Tennessee – Tennessee was up on Georgia for the first quarter. Like, no, that's <laughs> – their whole thing, a hypo thing, is that the tempo just jumps out at people, and they're they're in a bind, like in a bind immediately. Like, that's Good thing the whole they thing. played four quarters, man. Okay, that's enough. I, I, I'm not going to take this going into the weekend. Um, Garrett, Max, always a pleasure. I greatly appreciate it, guys. Find you on Twitter, GChapATL, Max, Max underscore Markovich. Thank you, as always, and I'll talk to you all next week. Thank you. All right, thanks, y'all, for checking out the Chase Must Podcast here on a Saturday, July 2nd, 2022 edition, uh, parts one through three, all complete. So if you missed any of the other portions of today's show, guess what? If you are subscribed on your preferred podcast player, you get access to all of my previous episodes uh, throughout the day. We had a jam-packed Saturday, July 2nd edition, so go check those out uh, this holiday weekend. That would be great. Uh like and subscribe youtube.com slash chase most podcast video content all over the place there um and access to all the video uh versions of this podcast if you rather watch it that is available to uh tweet at me chase double underscore thomas like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer and then of course email this program at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com all right new episodes coming out soon we'll see how the rest of this weekend holiday weekend goes but next week jam-packed as well and uh I might talk to you guys again before then, but we shall see. All right, Uncle Derek, how'd I do?
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.